0: The Numinous Podcast, with Carmen Spaniola.
1: Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is Mark Silver. Mark is a fourth-generation entrepreneur, and he's also the founder of The Heart of Business, which is kind of like a wisdom academy for entrepreneurs. He offers coaching, marketing instruction, and all kinds of programs for small business. He's also a master teacher in his Sufi lineage. I caught up with Mark over Skype. He was at home in Oregon. So, Mark, did you have a religious upbringing? I'm wondering what it was like um, in your household as a young person spiritually. It's a great question.
0: I had, I did have a religious upbringing, <clears throat> if you want to call it that. I, I, I guess, because religion and spirituality can sometimes be worst in that way. I grew up Jewish. I grew up in a Jewish household. And I, uh, you know, I had my bar mitzvah and I you know, went to Hebrew school uh, up until my bar mitzvah. Uh, but we weren't religious, you know, we didn't go, we didn't celebrate Shabbat. We didn't go to synagogue except on the high holy days. And uh, we were in the, uh, if you know about Judaism at all, we were in, we, conservative, meaning that there, it's kind of like the, the second level there's reformed, <laughs> which is, uh, kind of like the least observant in terms of the traditional rules. And then conservative is more observant. And then there's the Orthodox. And, um, so we were in the conservative and, um, yeah, so not, not a lot. And at the same time, I, I think like most Like many children that I've heard, you know, I I heard from, you know, we, you know, I had a real wondering and openness and belief in something, right? In God and in spirit and, you know, I didn't have the language for it, but... I remember feeling connected at some point around about that
1: mm-hmm. i'm i'm actually reading to my daughter uh right now we, we we read each other books she's 11 and we're reading the book are you there god it's me margaret by mm, and right. i'd forgotten you know i read that when i was her age and i'd forgotten about this whole part about god it's right in the title but she, you know she's praying she talks to god and she doesn't know what she wants to be because she's growing up with no religion mm-hmm. but all her friends are either Christian or Jewish <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like well we, you know what what do we do I want to belong so did you talk to God
0: um, <laughs> did I talk to God yeah. my understanding now is that we're always talking to God right <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, so I would say yes at the time was I I, I probably did I have to admit that my memory of my childhood is not so crystal clear, mm-hmm. right? I don't, um, um, I don't. I mean, my memory is not blanked out, but if you, uh, you know, like I, I, don't often find myself recalling in great detail of oh, this thing or that thing. I get, you know, mm-hmm. if we if we delve into it, I might have some things arise. But I'll I just put
1: you in my hypnotherapy chair, and we'll yeah. Some. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know, kind
0: of bringing some of that back, but um, you know, I. I I, I mean, I do remember, uh, you know, having some prayer and I remember, um, you know, wanting the prayer to be, um, you know, to work. And I just, yeah, I think it was, you know, I think it's just the kind of, you know, a lot of that standard disconnection between, okay, so there's these words on the page in a prayer book versus, you know, uh, okay, I'm having trouble feeling that in some way. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: when do you remember first really feeling spirit in your life?
0: Yeah, I don't know about the word first, but I know that there have been many different points where it feels like it came in at different points. I, I, I'll answer it this way. And then I went through a period of agnosticism as I went into um, teenage years. And then when I... I think some of the first openings I had was um, I had a um, a girlfriend who uh, for a couple of years um, who she had an ex- she had experiences where she would people who died came to talk to her and um, it was very it was very real it was uh, you know without going into detail it was some very very believable and um, and so there was like a, a sense of oh I can really like the, there was some transmission there. I could really feel what she's talking about. And at the same time, I was going through paramedic training because uh, I was a paramedic for quite some time. And I remembered studying anatomy and physiology and going, there has to be a God. This is too complex. <laughs> is like, you know. And so there was like this combination of science and mysticism that opened me up to starting to experience things again. Um, And when I say again, is that I, I'm sure, um, you know, I remember those feelings of connectedness and as a, as a very young child, kind of in a, in a kind of a vague, Oh "Oh, yeah, this feels really familiar, but it became a lot more conscious, obviously when I was, when I was older. Mm,
1: Wow. I, yeah, I feel, I feel it coming in as you're talking about that. It's like uh, about the experience of your girlfriend and also the, that, that, well, kind of a numinous moment where you can't quite articulate, but you're just aware of (laughs) miraculousness. Right. (laughs) Even in the mundane, even in just sort of our, our, you know, the flesh and bone. Would you tell me then a little bit about how that grew in your life? Like, how did you, because now you're a master teacher of Sufism. How did you get from paramedics (laughs) who having some mystical notions to becoming a master teacher?
0: How how much time do you have? Yeah. yeah. Well, there were, there were some significant times when I met um, the woman who's my wife now, we've been together for 20 years. Um, She uh, was studying with uh, the Reclaiming Collective, Starhawk's Reclaiming Collective on the teacher track. And we were in the San Francisco Bay Area. So she was studying with Starhawk. And we were also part of a, um, uh, a, um, uh, a Jewish renewal uh, community. And uh, this Jewish re- renewal community was, uh, Queer Minion was... Um, renewal Jewish renewal is the is is bringing this sense of spiritual connection back to Judaism uh, and again I, I won't go into the whole history of that but it's um, it's an amazingly beautiful um, experience and I just uh, and so we were we were starting to regularly do Shabbat with this minion with this with this uh, community and we were involved with the start with the with with the reclaiming collective. And I just,
1: I just want to, because I'm familiar with Starhawk's work, but can you just sort of give people a sense of what's the reclaiming?
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's like, so Starhawk is, um, a neo-pagan teacher. Um, if you want to use that term, um, Wicca, um, uh, is generally the, I guess, umbrella term, um, for that. And it's really trying to refine or reconnect with, um, an earth-based spirituality that is embedded in the seasons and embedded in the oneness that arises out of nature and often traces its, path, its history back um, to a lot of Celtic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it comes from uh, other traditions as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so we were doing that, and eventually our path led us more deeply into Judaism. I mean, that's our history, and I never felt that strong a connection to the Celtic, rituals mm-hmm. um it's just it's just not where my where my being is right mm-hmm. and so um and so yeah so we were in this um and so uh the question yeah so we so I began to have these experiences in these rituals where my heart were being open and I was experiencing these pieces and then in the chanting in Judaism we were doing a lot of chanting and singing and uh, just, just totally transported. There's no singing in my family growing up, and to have that sense of really being inside. Um, uh, there's a there's a rabbi, Shefa Gold, um, and she talks about how when you chant, you um, the chanting is creating is like is building a temple, and you get to sit inside the temple in the silence afterwards. And I began mm-hmm. to really experience the reality of that, um, with this Jewish chanting. And there was, there's also something that was very resonant for me because remember I was saying earlier that, oh, these words in these, in these prayer books, like I want to believe them, but I'm not feeling it. And yet when I'm I can feel the tears coming up now. It's like enchanting these ancient, this ancient tongue that's been prayed by countless people over millennia, not centuries, but millennia. It's, it's been so, um, it was so amazing and nourishing, uh, you know, again, many more numinous transport moments there. And yeah, just very, very profound for me. And then eventually coming to Sufism, another piece in the puzzle is that my wife, uh, the the year before we got married, when we got engaged, she came down with uh, Lyme's disease. Uh, it oh. flared up in her system really badly, and we went from being on a 250-mile bicycle tour to the next week she couldn't walk upstairs. And oh, my gosh. It was, it was very intense and scary, and she was sick for years and years and years. And, um, and part of the healing journey eventually led us to a Sufi healer, and that was the next connection was um, starting to see this, um, she getting really profound healings from Sufism, from the Sufi healer, and then coming out of a healing session and saying something to me. We had been, um, uh, having, uh, some conflict over a, uh, a topic in our relationship. And she said something to me directly after the session that she had with one of the master teachers, leading teachers in this, in the school. And, um, and whatever she said, I can't even remember the exact words. It, I could feel it changing me on a cellular level, and mm-hmm. I just said, "Okay, I'm done. We're done." You know, not done with the relationship, but the the issue was done. Like I was mm-hmm. able to just let go of it, and that was it was over. And so,
1: can you explain then, just uh, uh, the the religious tradition that Sufism comes from, just so we can kind of locate where we've just, moved now in the, yes. the traditions. Yes.
0: Well, uh, this is the interesting part is that Sufism is the mystical side of Islam. So um, for me as a, as a Jew becoming involved with Islam. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> exactly. It I'm like, just, let's just really
1: clarify where
0: we've gone was, now. No, it was You know, and she, she's, you know, she started, she w- went up over the summer with the, she- the the sheikh was visiting from Jerusalem i mean this is i mean this is not this particular brand of sufism that we're in is not you know just a i don't want i you know i it's it's a very it's it's a very islamic path i mean the 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 head sheikh uh works uh you know uh lives on the um the uh, the Mount of Olives. He's associated as one of the teachers with the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, one of the third holiest sites, the third holiest site in, in Islam. I mean, this is, it was really intense, mm-hmm. and she went and met him, and um, over the summer, not in Jerusalem, but he, and I didn't want to go, he was visiting somewhere two hours north of where we were, I said, don't go becoming a Sufi on me, and of course she came back saying, I'd yeah. take a hand with this sheikh, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, Taking hand means um, you know, join the lineage, and you know, mm-hmm. taking and um, it receiving the transmission of being in the in the lineage. And I was like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah then,
1: what, what, like, were you like, so, mom, dad? <laughs> my wife is,
0: no, you know, I like, ha- I, mean, I have to say, I love my parents. I talk to them very regularly. And I think in many ways, um, I'm been a little incomprehensible to them. They're like non spiritual. I mean, my mom, okay. they're spiritual in some senses, but they're, you know, they're not, they you know, they've,
1: They're sort of culturally Jewish more than spiritually Jewish. And I would
0: say that I and my parents, it's one of these, I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this, right? It's like, I don't understand how I grew up in this family. (laughs) It's like, I feel like I'm in a a lot of love, a lot of closeness and just completely culturally different. Mm -hmm. There's so much of my life that I think my parents just couldn't understand. You know, my dad was vice president of his high school class and I was a punk, you know, who got suspended and, you know, I just, all of these things that, that were just very much, they're very deeply conservative politically and, um, you know, and I'm, you know, pretty far left. (laughs) and So it's, it's very, um, and spiritually, I think they just don't comprehend. So no, I, it's been more of kind of a don't ask, don't tell policy with (laughs) that.
1: Um, so you're embracing a very conservative policy at home as it yes. works. Whereas well, in your business, you're very, you're very uh,
0: left. Well, yeah. Well, they've read, they've read my books They, you know, at least one of my books, they, I've mentioned it to them. I've told them things, but they have never asked for anything. They've, you know, I've been to the residential, I did my master's in divinity and I studied at the at the Sufi retreat center that's actually 2 hours from my parents' house and they took me there and dropped me off and I had to warn them saying, "You know, you're going to meet people that are going to call me by my Sufi name, that's Aziz. And they, anyway, so yeah. they've heard these things. It's not like it's being hidden, but they've never asked for more. And I right. just come.
1: Okay, so I would love to bring in how this has completely infused your life though because you you are a business and marketing coach and teacher as well as a spiritual healer and leader. Mm-hmm. And and actually your tagline for Heart of Business is every act of business can be an act of love. Yes. And so I've it sort of sounds like there's sort of special considerations <laughs> around spirituality at home and it works really well. Do you have of special considerations when you're infusing your business with your spiritual beliefs like i assume you don't only work with sympathies i know that you don't work with we actually have clients in common so i know that that's not the case so so how did you then approach you know bringing and infusing your your business with your your spiritual life i mean so you stopped being a paramedic you were working in marketing and then now you're basically spiritually healing the business world. Mm. So, well, so. That's, a,
0: that's a little bit of a grand claim, but yes, we're bringing, we're trying to bring, um, you know, we're trying, I, I, we're, 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 yeah, we're witnessing the love that's present um, in business. that's hard to see and helping make that more conscious and accessible mm. and, um, I guess what I would say, um, you know, business is, is deeply dysfunctional. It's deeply dysfunctional and it has been for centuries. And there are many people who are really trying to make a difference and they end up self employed because there's no job description. Or they want to be self-employed or what have you you know bringing healing transformational work or even just doing what they want to do it might not even be explicitly transformational work um, but the way they're doing it from the heart it is and um and we need to embrace uh, a presence of love being able to experience love and express love and work with love in business in very practical ways uh, a lot of spirituality in business has been boiled down to, okay, fill up on the meditation cushion, fill up your gas tank, and then when you run down in business, come and fill up again. And my belief, the Sufi practice, a lot of spiritual uh, paths uh Work with this as well, but it, it, Sufism, in particular, has the desire to witness the presence of the divine in everything. You know, there's that quote from the of the Quran that everyone attributes everyone non Islamic attributes to Rumi, but it's from the Quran. It's like, wheresoever you turn, there is the face of God, mm. and you you can you can find the presence of love in everything. The question I like to ask often is is love available even here Mm -hmm. and that's the in fact that was like the birth of heart of business and the work that I'm doing now is when I saw the spiritual healing that I was learning a template for the spiritual healing and the teachings behind it and I was shown or saw that oh that's the same as this marketing message template that I see over here and when they're overlaid with that type of intention, I realize like, oh, marketing isn't just about getting clients. Like the marketing itself can be healing, whether or not somebody comes to you and buys from you. The the marketing itself can have value um, if you have this sense of connection, and so, and the sense of witnessing, being able to witness what's there, and if you can't find it then you can, those are probably business practices that can be discarded and you can find other business practices that do uh, connect with love.
1: So do you and your wife never fight now (laughs) then?
0: I have to say that we do fight, but we don't have, we were just, in fact, we were just talking up in the kitchen earlier. I love working at home, being able to do that. But it's a um, we were She was just saying, because she was talking with a friend who had been explaining you know some challenges they were having in their relationship, and she was just saying, "I'm just so grateful we don't have that. Like all of our problems that we have are on the surface, um, meaning that you know because we have six-year-old twin boys in kindergarten and mm-hmm. you know, life is very full, and we don't often have as much connection time with each other as we want." Um, we get disconnected with each other or we get tired. And so we get snappy with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, we no it's been years and years and years since we've ever had, since we've had like a serious quote on what I would call a serious fight. It's more like, um, you know, we yell at each other or snap at each other. And then one of us, you know, she'll say to me, I don't like the way you're being. And I said, of course you don't like the way I'm being. I'm being controlling. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. and then we, and then we, and then we laugh. Right. You know? So it's, it's one of the benefits also of being in a relationship for 20 years that there's yeah. a, you know, there's an intimacy there that, you know, and a trust there. So. Nice.
1: Okay. So this is a beautiful segue then because the last question on the Numinous podcast traditionally uh, comes from the Proust questionnaire. So, uh, the question is, what do you consider perfect happiness?
0: Hmm. There's a saying in Sufism uh, that says, um, uh, be expectant in divine generosity and be patient with divine decree. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's kind of, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, you know the the more Sufi version of like, you know, uh, take what you know, hope for the best and take what comes. Right. And I I I don't believe in a set perfection. Um, perfection is the, belongs to the divine, and as human beings, we can taste it, but we don't stay there. We go in and out, and so, um, I I kind of cling to that. I, I don't even like to think of it in that sense. Perfect happiness is not a phrase I would ever use. Um, I would be more inclined to reach for a, a contentedness with where I am and, and the ability to witness the love that's moving where I am and then feel the nourishment of the love and the presence of where I am and you know saying that sounds very enlightened and holy and everything and I, I, I don't live there <laughs> <laughs> but I can I can touch it and reach it um, and, uh, and I'm grateful when I can
1: that's beautiful well and I'm grateful to witness the love that I definitely feel coming through you so thank you so much for sharing and for being on the show today Mark
0: mm, delighted such interesting questions thank you so much did he
1: bring up enough to make you look twice, or what? I mean, what did we cover there? Gnosticism, uh, science, mysticism, Judaism, uh, uh, Sufism, uh, reclaiming, Jewish renewal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what an interesting guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. I especially liked how Mark described what he does at Heart of Business when he said that he's just witnessing the love that's present in business that's hard to see. That's very sweet and very, very touching. If you enjoyed this interview, please share this show far and wide because there's seekers out there just like you and you never know who needs to hear it right now. And I would love For Mark's message to be spread around the world. And I want to thank my listeners from around the world for tuning in. And this week's shout-out is uh, to the listeners in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Hello, my goodness. What do you what do you even how do you even find the Numinous podcast? And also, uh, hola to the listeners in Costa Rica, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Love to go back someday. Thank you so much. For sharing your time with us. And of course, as always, if you enjoyed the show and would like to review it on iTunes, I would love that. And I will thank you personally on air. For more information about Mark and all of the show notes for today, just go to my website, CarmenSpaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And just click the link for the podcast tab. You'll get all the information about Mark and Heart of Business there. And of course, if you'd like to keep Exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a free meditation download, and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.